Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. I'm joined by T.P. Hammock and then Brooks Childress for the first hour of this shortened edition of the show as we have the season finale, the regular season finale of Borgard High School basketball coming up again at just around 5 o'clock. So we are getting off air right around 4.30 or thereabouts. So, again, another short show on this Thursday, but of course a lot to do on this Thursday as we recap Auburn and Vanderbilt last night inside of Neville Arena as the Tigers were able to get back to their winning ways after two road losses the week before, so we'll recap that one. We'll have Justin Ferguson on at 3.30 today of the Auburn Observer. Usually he is on the Tuesday show, but we got Ferg on this Thursday to talk all things Auburn basketball, Auburn football related after the hiring of DJ Durkin, that sort of thing. And, of course, we want to hear from you on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Also, if we have time in this shortened edition of the show, we will get to birthdays and sports. Ryan, TP, and Brooks with you here on this Thursday. Brooks will be out at Borgard with Timson and the guys in just a little while, but good to have you in for the first hour, sir. How are you today? I am doing great. Uh, it is a, a wonderful Thursday afternoon. Um, it's a wonderful Thursday after an Auburn basketball victory as well. Uh, good win for the Tigers last night at home, getting back in the winning ways, and so we'll talk about that coming up here. Can't wait to be out at Beauregard tonight, final regular season game for the Hornets, uh, but for the girls and the boys as they take on Wadley. The girls beat Wadley on Tuesday night. Boys lost to Wadley so girls are looking to get the season sweep over the Bulldogs uh, but the the Hornets looking to salvage one before they hit, both hit the area tournament starting uh, coming up here this weekend slash early next week so can't wait to be out there with uh, Tim Sim, Seth Floor and the guys uh, and I uh, can't wait to uh, and I, I know my my stay will be brief on the show today uh, but I can't wait to uh, to chop it up with you guys and then TP Hammock also on the show today TP how are you I'm doing good. Got to watch some good basketball last night. Uh, Auburn in the first half didn't please me, but I was pleased in the second half. I believe that's probably the overwhelming consensus. And, uh, you know, got to watch some of that. Then uh, watched some Tombstone, one of my favorite movies on AMC last night. Great movie. And, uh, you know, it was a pretty, pretty good day on this really nice, pretty Thursday. And uh, looking forward to the two-hour stay with me and Mr. Lavoy as we're going to lose Mr. Childress out to the guard, as Tim Sin refers it to. And uh, looking forward to hearing from our callers and uh, what uh, Justin Ferguson has to say today. Absolutely. But before we get into any of the deep dives of anything going on in the current sports world in basketball or anything like that, we do, of course, need to start with with the very sad news that happened late last night, and that is that former Auburn great wide receiver Terry Beasley has passed away 
at the age of 73. Of course, there are just three numbers retired in football for Auburn University. Heisman Trophy winners, Bo Jackson and Pat Sullivan, and of course, Terry Beasley's number. And Terry Beasley is somebody that, of course, was with Pat Sullivan in his Heisman season and with that time uh, in Auburn. Of course, this was a, uh, of course, devastating news to learn around the end of the basketball game last night. Uh, there was uh, a pretty lengthy and uh, good article done about the, the, the long life and beautiful life that Terry Beasley lived. Of course, uh, he, we all know the accolades on the field and the All-American selections, All-Conference selections, the uh, all-time leader for Auburn in a lot of receiving categories still, including receiving yards, most, most touchdown receptions, consecutive games with a touchdown, and uh, most 100-yard games in a season in a career. But also we know that his career was cut short in the NFL level because of concussions. Uh, it was talked a little bit about uh, about a decade ago when the NFL was having those lawsuits by players suffering from CTE, which unfortunately Terry Beasley was one of them due to uh, many, many con concussions. It was believed at least 19 concussions that Terry Beasley suffered at one uh, throughout various points of his career to the point where even doctors said that his head looked like, quote, Swiss cheese. Um so he was involved in those lawsuits because of the CTE and also, uh, of course, had uh, some unfortunate medical events in his, uh, in his past and in the decade uh, before now his passing. And so uh, while it was a very uh, awesome life on the field, it was also a very difficult life for him uh, in the years past uh, off the field because of those injuries sustained during football. Uh, but certainly an Auburn legend that just about everybody can have a great story about or be able to relate as, uh, as being able to be able to watch him as a fan or learn about him after the fact. And certainly if you're an Auburn fan, you know who Terry Beasley is and you know that he means uh, and will always mean a lot to, to Auburn University football. So, of course, very sad news last night that we lost Terry Beasley at the age of 73 and guys obviously the elephant in the room for us as younger guys uh, we fight this criticism sometimes but in a situation like this obviously being younger we did not have the pleasure of watching Terry Beasley and Pat Sullivan play and, and growing up with those two Auburn legends and that sort of thing but also again as younger guys to still know how important that these men were and in this case Terry Beasley uh, means that there was a profound impact that resonates still with the generations now that we're not able to see him and the generations still to come uh, at Auburn. Yeah, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I know, like you said, we, we, we fight the, the stigma about being uh, in, in the younger generation. That doesn't mean we don't know things, you know, we, we, we are, you know, we, we pride ourselves in, in being able to connect with all age groups on, on, on the, especially in the sports world. And this is one of those times, uh, Terry Beasley was a, a great Auburn football player, uh, from, from all reports and all accounts, from all the outpouring of, uh, of, uh, of support over social media that we've seen <clears throat> over the last 12, uh, or plus hours, uh, since the news broke. 
uh, it, it's very clear that he was a very good man as well uh, as uh, a great football player. One of the few numbers that has been retired by Auburn football. When you're inside Jordan-Hare Stadium, there's not many. There's not many foot numbers that are retired up there, and, and his is one of them. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it is definitely a, a shame that the, the NFL career got cut short because of concussions. But, uh, you know, at Auburn, he left a, a lasting legacy, a, a, a great Auburn man, uh, as folks like to say, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's a very sad day on the plains. Hopefully, you know, next football season or at, at a day, maybe you, you see, hopefully we see the Auburn football team do something to help remember the, the life of Terry Beasley. And, uh, maybe going forward, uh, there could be, uh, something else done for him from the, from the Auburn athletics program. So I remember the first time I got to hear about Terry Beasley was from my former head coach uh, for high school, uh, former Auburn staffer in the Alabama High School uh, Football Hall of Fame, Jimmy Perry. I remember he told us receivers, we need to watch some film on Terry Beasley if we want to be a good receiver. Now, I, I wasn't sure he was, but I did look him up, and I remember just seeing all this stuff. I was just like, wow. It's like, this guy was just incredible, you know, at Auburn. Like, he was just insane looking at the numbers, especially in the era that he was playing in. You know, it, you know, whenever it was six yards, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust, I was like, wow, this guy's really good. And so – you know, it's just, it's tragic. You know, we lost him, but, you know, he did. I saw a really good tweet last night from uh, Jeffrey Lee, and it said, uh, we know who that pass is going to, the Pat Sullivan pass. You know, the uh, the statue of him is him throwing a pass. Uh, he said, we know who he's throwing that pass to now, and it's Terry Beasley. And so I thought that was a really touching tweet. And, uh, you know, he's just a great Auburn man, you know, from Montgomery, uh, you know, where I'm from, you know, um, you know, a lot of people know about Terry Beasley from that area. He went to Robert E. Lee, now Percy Julian, and um, just a, you know, and like Brooks said, one of the few uh, Tigers to have his number retired. Also a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, and uh, just a great man. And um, you know, rest in peace, uh, Terry Beasley. We um, we'll, we will miss you down here, and uh, hope you and Pat Sullivan are uh, playing some catch up there. Absolutely, Terry Beasley. Terrific, ter- uh, Terry Terrific, passing away last night at the age of 73. We're going to go ahead and head to our first timeout of the show. We'll be back with more right after this. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this shortened edition of Sports Call on this Thursday. Reminder, coming up in about 15 minutes, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us. So let's head to the orthopedic clinic phone line now, 334 887 
3401 locally or toll free 1 888 Tiger 9. First up on the show this afternoon Real Deal from Coosa County. Real Deal is with us. Real Deal, how are you today? Hey, man, how y'all doing? I finally got myself together with my knees. I haven't been giving y'all no calls. Uh, well, it's I'm, good to hear uh, from you. Sorry what happened to uh, Terry Beasley. I uh, want you know, to do my speech for the family on that. And uh, I want to ask y'all about uh, this uh, transfer portal. You know, I was real disappointed about our season, especially about the Alabama game and all. Uh, sure. But I want to ask y'all, and then I'm going to hang up, you know, because I know you got other calls. Okay, now that we're supposed to have all these top recruits and we're getting these other folks in the transfer portal, uh, what kind of season that you think we'll have this year? And uh, how many games you think we all win? And I'm going to give you all a war eagle. I'm going to just hang up and just get you coming. Yes, sir, war eagle. That is a real deal from Coosa County joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. Appreciate that phone call, real deal. Yeah, so for the 2024 Auburn football team, uh, yes, they obviously have uh, a quality recruiting class. You hope that you can get three to five to six guys to impact right away. Uh, certainly the wide receivers, you really hope that Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson can greatly change that wide receiver room from the word go. You hope a couple of those linebackers, whether it be Demarcus Riddick, Joe Phillips, Monte Waller, somebody like that be able to either start or play right away at the linebacking position. I think those are the two uh, groups that you really would like instant impact on. And, and look, they're going to have to have some DBs come in i think that's more transfer portal guys like a jaron thompson from texas who uh, had 83 tackles back in 2022 uh, 38 tackles but three interceptions including one in the alabama game in 2023 you're going to look for someone like that him uh, to play a role right away so when you're looking at the 2024 schedule again i think it's similar to last year in that you really need a good start you can't be losing the cow. I don't expect them to lose the cow. I expect them to look better. Don't win by the the skin of your teeth like you did out in Berkeley last year. I think they need to uh, beat Cal pretty good uh, in Auburn this year. And then I think they, they need to beat Arkansas. I know Arkansas is going to have one last-ditched effort with Sam Pittman trying to save his job and bringing in Bobby Petrino and, and all that. But – uh, that's at home. Auburn needs to win that game. So Auburn needs to be 4-0 to start the year, and that's when their season should really begin from a litmus test of how are you compared to last year. That's when they'll welcome in Oklahoma at the end of September to Jordan-Hare Stadium and then go to Athens. Uh, obviously, going to Athens, I'm not going to feel good about. I do think that will be a loss in 2024. The Oklahoma game, that is up in the air. I mean, they're going to have a new quarterback after Dylan Gabriel left. Uh, questions about how that team finished this year after being able to beat Texas. Uh, so that is a game that is going to be fascinating in week five. Uh, you, you go through the rest of it at Missouri. That one's going to be far more difficult uh, next year than it would be in a normal year because of the season Missouri just had last year. You go to Kentucky. Kentucky's okay. That's a game I would say Auburn probably needs to win, though. Uh, Auburn still expects to beat Kentucky in football, period. Uh, even with the better form that Kentucky's been under Mark Stoops, they were not awesome last year. So I think Auburn, that's a game they're probably going to need to win. Then they get the host Vanderbilt. 
Needs to be a win. I don't care who from the New Mexico State contingency is now <laughs> at Vanderbilt. Auburn needs to beat Vanderbilt. They need to beat ULM two weeks later. And then they host A&M and, and Alabama or go to Alabama uh, the final week of the year. So I guess all I'm saying is uh, this needs to be, I would say, an eight-win team minimum with the expectation that 10 is possible if everything goes right. Now, seldom does everything go right. But I would say that everything is in play for them except for at Georgia. And look, I know that people will say Nick Saban's not in Tuscaloosa anymore. Iron Bowl's the Iron Bowl. Nevertheless, until Auburn really gives Alabama a run at Tuscaloosa, that's not one I'm going to feel confident about. So I'm going to probably say that's still a loss because it's in Tuscaloosa. So that's the two. Unfortunately, it is the two big rivals. It's not the fun two to lose. But they are on the road, and that's kind of how it's been for Auburn for a while now. So outside of that, there's nothing that Auburn can't succeed with. Like, they're not playing LSU, and I would think LSU is going to be pretty good. They're not playing Ole Miss. Ole Miss should be very good next year. Next year is an excellent time not to play Ole Miss. Uh, you know, Oklahoma is a t- big program, but you get them at home. Uh, we'll see what they look like. Texas a and is a big program. They're going through a new coach. You get them at home. Uh, so I think it's very palatable schedule-wise for Auburn. And like I said, I necessarily wouldn't expect 10. I still think that's if things go right. But I think I don't think 10 was on the table this past year. Even, uh, even the more optimistic viewpoints had him at 8 or 9 in year one for freeze. And obviously we see in hindsight that was doable, but things did not go right with offense. So I think 8 is the fair expectation for Auburn next year with 10 being kind of the ceiling. And look, 10-2 and two in 2024, it's going to get you in the 12-team playoff in all likelihood. So uh, that would be a very good place to be in as your ceiling for year two of a new coach. Guys, what do you think? I think, uh, you know, like you said, uh, I think Auburn had a really good recruiting class, but how many of them are really going to impact? Maybe three to five at max? I mean, how many are actually going to get, like, valuable playing time that's a different question I, I do have my questions about the squad and I think you're right it is very important to start early and start start good early and you should start off 4-0 and and I think I think your you know rubber meets the road moment is going to be that Oklahoma game because you know you have Brett Venables as their head coach he will always support a very stout defense and they're going to be an interesting watch because you know like you said they they were supposed to be pretty good last year, you know. Or they they bounced back last year, but they didn't finish the way that they wanted to. You know, they lost to Kansas, they lost to Oklahoma State, and so and those are two teams that are not better than Oklahoma, but they beat them. And so I think that'll be the moment where we know if Auburn is a pretender or a contender. And uh, you know, at Georgia is going to be tough. At Missouri, I I think Missouri. Is not is going to be a little. They're going to have a little bit of a fallback year. They lost Brady Cook to the NFL. They lost their really good running back uh, Cody Schrader, um, and they lost their defensive coordinator to LSU. I think they will be uh, a little bit behind. I, I think they'll still probably make a bowl game, but I don't think that game is going to be nearly as hard as it would have been this year in Missouri. And uh, I think there are a lot of opportunities for Auburn to win here. I just have my questions about quarterback. As we're going to talk about all summer long. Yes, we will. And I have my questions about the offensive line. I want to see how they're able to do this year because I know Auburn lost some players to 
graduation and you know and whatnot so uh, those are the two positions I, I i could easily see eight to nine wins but i could also see a six win team so um that those are my thoughts on the uh, the schedule what about you mr childress my floor is seven five that that is my absolute floor if you go six and six i'm not happy at all as, as an, if, if i'm an auburn fan i'm not happy at all um especially at the the way the schedule lays out uh i, I think seven and five has to be the floor uh, for this football team, my biggest question is what you finish with TP is the quarterback play. Is is uh, can Peyton Thorne take that next step and uh, keep developing, or is it somebody else? Is it Holden Gurner steps up in in spring and fall camp and wins the job? Is it Walker White comes out as a true freshman and wins the job like Bo Nix did a few years uh, a few years ago for the Tigers? Uh, that's really where it's going to be because I think that the the wide receiver room has a lot of talent in it. And the running back room, it's not losing anything. And so it, it, it's a lot of talent on that offense. And so I think that's going to be big. So I think 7-5 and five <clears throat> is the year or is the is the absolute floor for, for this team next year. And I think that also includes that 7-5. and five, I'll, I'll clarify a little bit more. That 7-5 and five includes being competitive with Georgia or Alabama and or Alabama. Let me let me put it there. It, it means being competitive, even though you're on the road for both of them. Be competitive with Georgia and or Alabama uh, on the road. I, I think that you know you. Uh, I'm going to echo what you you guys said. I think you got to come out four and zero with the um, with the uh, the four the the first four games. You got to come out four and zero. The the middle part of that schedule, uh, Oklahoma. You know that that's uh, that right now. This is uh, again February first, twenty twenty four. Oklahoma is a toss up. I I don't know. You know, you, you, you know Georgia's probably a loss. That Missouri team. You you were pointing out. Uh, uh, TP that all the stuff, all the offensive power that they're losing. Um, I, I still want to see how they come out of the season too, because I think that the uh, uh, Drinkwitz has maybe has turned a corner there. Kentucky Vanderbilt should be games that you win. ULM should be a game that you win. Can Mike Elko get Texas A&M going? And but the the thing is, I wouldn't be as confident, except the fact that you're playing them at the very end of the season. Has he gotten that team going by the end of the year is going to be a big question. And then, of course, Alabama. Uh, one one correction is Brady Cook will be back uh, this yeah. year. So. Yeah, I, I was wrong on that. I I, I don't know. They do lose what, some other uh, marketable yeah. offense players, but uh, they will have the quarterback back. Uh-huh. And Again, I would say the expectations for Missouri coming in next year will be about as high as they've been. That does not necessarily mean – they're going to get be trophy hunting, but uh, I do think that that road game at Missouri will be far more difficult next year than it would have been in, in years past. However, the other side of the equation is the home Oklahoma game could be easier uh, than it has been in years past. I think, uh, and you mentioned the, the some of the bullets you dodge next year in the SEC. Another one is you yep. don't have to play Texas. You get Oklahoma yes. instead of Texas. You'd much rather have Oklahoma and Texas, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you get that side of it. Again, you, you avoid Ole Miss, which usually – you know, four out of five years you'd like to play Ole Miss. Uh, one of one of the years you would not would be next year, and that's the year Auburn won't. So again, I think there's some really good things setting up on the schedule for sure. And of course, still a lot more roster movement because you guys are talking about the quarterback room. There could be another quarterback that joins the room in the spring. Uh, so you never know. Uh, but uh, what you've got now, obviously, there are a lot of questions around that will have to be answered in the fall. We do need to go to our next timeout of the show, and that is because when we come back, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us. We'll chat about Auburn basketball as they get set for a very tough month of February. We'll also talk about the DJ Durkin hire and the completion 
for now, unless someone else leaves, the completion for now of the Auburn football staff and much, much more. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday afternoon as we get set to go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line where we welcome on our good friend Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Ferg, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. How are things in your world? Yes, sir. Yes. You got us? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. My phone decided to freak out for a little bit. Yeah, I'm doing well. How are y'all? Doing very well. And, of course, I know that you were at the Senior Bowl in Mobile the last couple of days. First, how was that experience, and what did you take away from some of those Auburn guys down there? Yeah, I thought this was a, a pretty good uh, you know, couple of days that I got to see from Auburn's uh, you know, guys down there, defensive guys, uh, mostly secondary dudes, DJ James, um, Jalen Simpson, DMI Pritchett, and, of course, Marcus Harris was on, on the defensive front. Um, there and I thought I thought those guys you know put together some pretty good practices from what I could tell. Um, you know I thought DJ James was really impressive on day one. You know watching him and I wrote about him at the Observer did a really good job playing physically. You know he's he weighed in pretty light and he and he was a light guy at Auburn. Uh, you know and so that it's kind of scared off some teams probably or you know some NFL draft analysts have kind of had him a little lower um, because of that. Uh, but he plays bigger than he is, and um, you know it was a really good cover corner. But playing with aggressiveness, physicality, uh, making plays. I mean, he blew up a screen. He knocked Johnny Wilson to the ground on a, on a one on one. You know, had some really impressive plays, just showing his his physicality. And I think that really stood out to me. And it was a really good uh, time for him. Saw Jalen Simpson make quite a few plays uh, at practice as well, and he seems to be another guy that. Uh, he was kind of moving around, play some corner, play some safety, play some nickel. He's just trying to kind of showcase that versatility. Pritchett had had a, had a, had a good time as well. And then I saw Marcus Harris really uh, getting after it in some of the team drills uh, as well. So, you know, I, I think all in all, a good week so far for those guys in the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, they're not the household names down there. Um, but I do think they're all guys that, you know, deserve to be drafted and have really good opportunities to, um, you know, help a team. And, and I think for, you know, for all those guys, I think if they get in, land in the right situation, uh, they could have what it takes to contribute to an NFL team for quite some time because I, I think all of them, you know, bring a lot to the table. Let's talk a little basketball with you, Ferg, before we get to one or two more football items. Of course, last night uh, Auburn was able to defeat Vanderbilt pretty easily inside of Neville Arena, coming on the heels of a couple of disappointing road performances. We'll just assess Auburn's night last night and kind of where they are as they head into a much tougher part of the schedule. 
Yeah, a really good night for Auburn uh, overall. I think defensively, they they really they did what they were supposed to. I mean, this is a this is a Vanderbilt team that's one of the worst offenses in the country. They've struggled for much of the season, uh, and Auburn did a really good job of just not letting them do anything. This was Vanderbilt's worst uh, effective field goal percentage, the worst offensive rating of the year, um, and, and Auburn's defense continues to really really stand up. This is the number three defense in the country by automatics. Um, they're dominant, and I thought Janai Broom played exceptionally well. I think, once again, the key for Auburn is just they, they take other teams' top scorers and say, hey, you're just not going to get very much uh, tonight. We, we have seen them do this over and over and over again here in SEC play. And then you know, Tyron, Man- uh, Tyron Lawrence and Ezra Mannion, uh, you look at those two guys, uh, they shot like a combined 23% from the field in the two games against Auburn this year. And, that, and that's so key, and I thought Auburn's defense was excellent. That's going to be what carries them moving forward. Uh, I think offense is going to come and go, especially with some of the road games that they have. Uh, but you have a game where you, you shut down another team's top players and really take the life out of them. Um, really big because you got Ole Miss coming up on Saturday. You did an awesome job against them in the first matchup with their top scores, but Ole Miss just put you know 84 points on the board against against Mississippi State earlier this week. So they they're going to feel pretty confident. Uh, in their own offense. And then I thought for Auburn's own offense, got off to a better start. Obviously, Drew Jones playing really, really well in this game, shooting the ball well early. Auburn got into some ruts there in the first half where their offense just wasn't clicking and they had some issues. Second half, though, they played really, really well. Um, and, you know, that second half looked a lot more like the Auburn offense we've seen, you know, for most of the season. Um, I think wearing down Vanderbilt had something to do with it, but Ty Broom continues to be one of the best big men in the country. Uh, Jalen Williams got back in his group. I thought Chad Baker Mazzara had a great game. I thought uh, Trey Donaldson, outside of the turnovers, did a did a really good job. You know, starting. I think, you know, they're going to buy time for Aiden Holloway to to kind of figure some things out. Um, you know, with his shot by bringing him off the bench, and I think that's a good thing. But you know, this was a game I thought where Auburn took care of business, did what they needed to do uh, in a week and on a night really where there were a lot of scares across college basketball. Obviously, Vanderbilt's not, you know, Georgia or even Northwestern or anything like that. But uh, Auburn needed to take care of business, and, and they handled it, and they handled it really, really well. Justin, you mentioned uh, this guy's performance a moment ago, but I, w- I want you to go more in-depth on what got into Denver Jones last night because he's a guy that came in in the offseason. I think a lot of folks had some high hopes for him. Uh, he, he's been very productive, but just not uh, productive in the, the points category. And then last night, all of a sudden, four threes uh, fall for for, uh, uh, for Denver, and he ends up with 19 points, second on the team in scoring last night. Yeah, it kind of looked like Auburn called some more set plays for him um, and, and, you know, got him more open looks, and he, and he just took took advantage of it. I thought there's been some times this season where Denver's had some open looks, and he's kind of passed it up a little bit more and hasn't been as aggressive with his shot, but I think he has, you know, at times this year looked really, really good with that jumper. Um, he definitely looked more aggressive with the shot. Uh, you know, last night got off to a great start, played really, really well, and he, he's one of those – yeah, he showed he's a truth for level scorer. Um, scored on the inside, had a great mid-range jumper in this game, several three-pointers. He's that guy that I think, you know, people may forget. If he's one of the only a handful of players last season who averaged 20 points a game uh, in Division One. So he's, he's capable of going off. Um, it's just he hasn't had to carry as much of a scoring load. I think he's been so good and so focused on being a better defender, and he's been an excellent defender, I think, this season for Auburn. That it's kind of taken some of the some of the shine off of his offense, some of the effort, or maybe not effort, but just emphasis, I should say, on 
on the offensive side of the ball for him, but I think he's just kind of unlocked it last night in a good matchup for him and, and let it fly. And I think Bruce Pearl said it best after the game. This is a, it's a guy that just makes Auburn a better team when he shoots like that and when he plays like that. So, um, you know, if Auburn's able to make a push towards the SEC championship here down the stretch and win some of these tough games they've got coming up, I think, I think having Denver Jones on the lock like this is going to be a key part of it. So, Ferg, after last week's disappointing contest on the road, Auburn finds themselves back on the road in a rejuvenated program in Ole Miss. Talk about what uh, what you'd like to see Auburn do differently from their last two road games against Mississippi State and Alabama. Talk about what you would like to see from the Tigers to get the victory against the Rebels on Saturday. I, I think I think it's just defense and rebounding travel. Um, you know, I thought Auburn defended really well against Mississippi State. Um, they just didn't rebound very well. Um, they defended excellently and rebounded excellently in their first matchup against Ole Miss. They got to do that again on the road. Ole Miss is going to be more comfortable playing at home. They've obviously won three straight. Uh, they're coming off a big offensive performance. It's going to be a great crowd. They're going to be energetic. They're going to they're going to want to kind of get kind of a big signature win here, um, you know, at home. And they they feel like they should they they have a real chance to do it, and they should uh, just because of who they've beaten here recently and they're. And they're trying to kind of keep that ball rolling and potentially make the NCAA tournament. This would be huge for them. So for Auburn, I think just keep playing the defense you've been playing. Um, you know, rebound more like you did earlier in the year, and obviously last night against um, against Vanderbilt, they had a really big rebounding advantage. I think Auburn's 11 and one this year when they when they out rebound their opponent. So I mean, I think that's that's a really big key. And then. You know, I, I think the other thing for them is just it's the shooting away from home. Um, you look at the numbers, it's just the three-point shooting, really. I know they weren't great from two against Mississippi State, but they were great from two against Alabama, and they have you know, App State, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. The three-point shooting just hasn't been great anywhere in these true road games, and it's really weird because Auburn is one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country in neutral site games, which is obviously where you play tournament games, but you got to win some of these road games. You're going to have to do that by, by hitting some shots away from home. So I think for Auburn, it's just the key in this one is don't don't let the don't let the three point battle get out of hand. Um, that's what happened to them against Arkansas. You know they they lost the three point battle by like 18 you know total points and ended up losing that game close. Can't let Ole Miss get hot. Ole Miss hit some threes uh, the other night against Mississippi State. Really kind of turned that defense inside out and and got to play that way. Took care of the ball well. Um, so I think for Auburn, I just think. You got to look at it and say, "Hey, defense is going to be what carries you. Rebound is going to win you games on the road." But in three-point area, just you know, be a little bit more confident. Hit some of those shots. Maybe get some more looks for guys like Denver Jones, uh, maybe Jalen Williams a little bit more. Maybe less with Aiden Holloway and Katie Johnson, just because they've been struggling from deep uh, away from home. Kind of you know, draw some more plays out there. And see if Auburn can't get it get going a little bit early and get in a rhythm and a flow. And just like we saw last night at home. Um, you know, once those shots are falling, just everything kind of opens up for this offense. So, uh, yeah, the key defensive rebounding travel, as Bruce Pearl always says, but also in the three-point battle. I'm not saying Auburn needs to go in there and just light it up against Ole Miss in order to win, but they need to be able to hang tough because Ole Miss is going to feel like they have a lot of confidence with their three-point shot in this game. And then, Justin, uh, earlier this week, the, the Wooden Award announced their late-season top 20 watch list, and Janai Broom's name was on it. What have you seen this year as a whole from Janai Broom to, to have his name be mentioned as one of the 20 best players in college basketball right now? I mean, if you look at it statistically, he's one of the five best players in college basketball. I think when you look at you know the, the, the overall body of work this season, um, I saw a stat 
uh, earlier today that in the month of January, he was rated as the third best player in the country. Ken Palm has him as the number four player in the country right now, national player of the year rankings. And, and people may look at that and be like, wow, that's crazy. Um, but you've got to say like, consistency is the thing with Janai Broom, right? And he plays a style of game where he's not the guy who's going to go 30 points. He's not going to get 20 rebounds in a game. He's not going to be the guy that – he's not Zach Eady, right? And I think everyone who's not Zach Eady uh, as, as a big man kind of gets overlooked because they're not – like no one's com- you know, no one's going to be able to compete with that, especially if you're looking like an All-American and stuff like that. I and mean, he's running away with the award and he's going to. Uh, that's just what's going to happen. And then, of course, you get like Dalton Connect and Mark Sears and some of these really good guards – that we're seeing across college basketball this season, it's kind of made it people overlook what Janai Broom is bringing to the table because if you look at Janai Broom's numbers, really, you know, over the last couple of months, he is like double-digit points every night, which is not always easy to say for a big man. He's seven or eight rebounds, and he's had, you know, quite a few double-doubles here recently. He's getting you about three or four blocks a game as well, and when you add that all up, and you do it efficiently. His three-point shot's going down. He's become a much better free-throw shooter. He doesn't really have a hole in his game, and he's super consistent with it, which is not always easy to do when you're a big man in college basketball or a college basketball player, period. Um, you know, I tweeted earlier today, he's rolling out of bed and getting and automatically getting 14 and 8 with a few blocks. Like that. That's If that's what you're getting pretty much every night from a guy, that's huge because that, there's, there's just not very many people who are doing that in college basketball. So I know is not one of those guys who is going to, you know, get all the headlines or, you know, be on Sports Center for his crazy performances. But there's a sense of like, like when your floor is as high as Janai Broom is and when you're good is as good as you're going to get anywhere in the SEC, that gets a lot of attention. So, look, he's not going to win the Wooden Award probably because Zach Eadie's going to run away with it. And he's probably not going to be an All American because Zach Eadie exists and, you know, it's hard for other centers to compete with that. But um, I do think outside of Zach Eady, you can make the argument that Janai Bruins is one of the best big men in college basketball, and that, uh, and that says a lot about him and the way he's improved here this season. We'll close with this, Justin, on the football side of things. Of course, Auburn hiring DJ Durkin to be their defensive coordinator this week. Your thoughts on that move? And now that this staff seems to be completed, of course, I know other guys can interview for NFL jobs and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, you, you've got Derek Nix, Ken Austin, DJ Durkin, Charles Kelly, and uh, the kind of the renewal of Wesley McGriff. And your thoughts on maybe the best hire of that group of guys? I really like Charles Kelly hire. It's on uh, just because he's a he's a he's an ace on the recruiting trail. Uh, he's a guy that a lot of people have wanted on their staffs. He's, he's worked with a lot of great coaches. He's an Auburn guy. It feels like for the last decade, every time there was an opening on Auburn's defense, everybody's like, hey, what about Charles Kelly? Well, they finally get Charles Kelly, and I, I think that's a really good move. DJ Durkin hire, I mean, you know, let's you know, let, let's not you know avoid or overlook any, anything here. The DJ Durkin hire is a divisive one uh, among people in the fan base and nationally just because of what happened at Maryland uh, and the fallout from there and but the thing about it is, is that you know this is going to be DJ Durkin's third SEC uh, defense coordinator job. Uh, he's a guy that um, this past season had a pretty good defense at Texas A&M. If you look at it now, obviously Texas A&M was loaded with talent. Um, you know, I think that's a, something you got to keep. It. I, I, very similar, I think, schematically uh, to to what Ron Roberts was trying to build on this defense for Auburn. So I think there's going to be some continuity there. I asked you pretty yesterday, just hey, why was Durkin? Why did you pick Durkin to be? The guy, and he talked about culture and energy and all that, and, and you know, obviously that's important for coaches. But I think one of the things that stood out to me is he talked a lot about just the way Durkin's defenses communicate, 
Um, you know, his multiplicity, he feels like uh, it's going to be better on that side of the ball. So, you know, we'll see how it goes with, the, with, with an on-field upgrade. I know Durkin's obviously with, the, with his past, with what happened at Maryland, and is kind of the, uh, you know, the baggage that comes with that. It is a divisive, uh, you know, hire for sure. Uh, off the field, I think on the field, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. He had some, he had some tough defenses at Ole Miss. He had one kind of pretty good old, uh, defense Ole Miss, at Ole Miss, kind of up and down the last couple of years uh, at Texas A&M as well. So it would be interesting to see what he does at a place like Auburn that doesn't have quite the talent that Texas A&M has, uh, but has got some pieces to return. So we'll see how it all all plays out here. Um, I, I do think it's a guy that you know I think. Freeze wanted experience. I think he wanted somebody who's done this job before at a high level, and he feels like he's got his man, and we'll see how it all plays out here in the fall. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us today on Sports Call, and as always, Ferg, we want to direct our listeners to enjoy the great work that you and and company do at the Auburn Observer, and so what can they go find at the Observer right now? Yeah, you can check out uh, this morning a full breakdown of the Auburn uh, Vanderbilt game, a lot of stuff in there, our rotation charts, our stats, and stuff like that. A lot of kind of in-depth, nitty-gritty stuff about Auburn basketball. You can check that out at the Observer uh, tomorrow. Mailbag uh, answered a lot of basketball questions. Got a few football questions in there as well, uh, and uh, we'll have a podcast drop. I'll be heading to Oxford this weekend. Uh, looking forward to what is a really big game for Auburn on the road. Not just because it's a, a road game, but also um, you know potential quad one game. You know it should be a quad one game, and 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 that should be like a big uh, opportunity. So be there for that. Uh, we'll have you know coverage from that over the weekend as well, and uh, I had some stuff from uh, from the Senior Bowl talking to Hugh Freeze, story on DJ James as well. So we've had a lot of stuff on the site this week. Uh, check it out. So it's six hours a month, six hours a year to get everything, and we email it to you as soon as it comes out. And uh, we've been putting out a lot of stuff here recently, so it's a great time to sign up. AuburnObserver.com. Justin, as always, we certainly appreciate the time with you, and appreciate you making time for us with your busy schedule. And we look forward to talking again soon. Appreciate you guys. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us today on Sports Call. Let's take one quick final timeout. Back to wrap up hour number one on this shortened edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Now back to the multi-time Abbey Award winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here. Appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line in that last segment. Always appreciate talking to Ferg and 
Again, he was at the Senior Bowl earlier this week, which is why our, it was not our usual Tuesday chat and why we were able to talk to him today and catch up with him. He made the drive back up last night and uh, was obviously at that Auburn and Vandy game, as as was I. And, uh, you know, it was uh, another quality job for Auburn on the scoreboard. I know there were still lulls in the action last night. We'll get into a little bit more detail about that uh, in just a moment. But, uh, yeah, yeah, guys, we've been at the Senior Bowl before. Uh, not uh, not quite able to make it down there this year. It is a, a very fun event. We were watching some of the practices uh, down there in Mobile on TV these last couple of days. And, and Auburn does not have guys that will factor into the first day of the NFL draft this year. It's a part of having to rebuild the, the talent process of it. But uh, they will have some DBs like DJ James and Jalen Simpson and some guys that will uh, be able to, I believe, get drafted in the middle rounds somewhere, middle to late rounds. And then obviously Marcus Harris trying to trying to make it uh, into the draft process as well. He's down there. So uh, still guys to keep in mind, just not quite as early uh, in the draft process. But uh, I'll just admit to you that one of the best parts of Mobile, and we didn't have time for her, we were already running over. I should have asked him how many Reese Cups he got a hold of. Uh, Brooks, how many Reese Cups roughly did we get a hold of over the week we were down there? We or you? Because you, uh, you yeah, made up the majority I would make up for 90% of them. You made up, them, up the yeah. majority of it. But it was, uh, it was quite a few handfuls. Yeah. You, we were uh, we we were smuggling some out at the the end of the day too. Like when we were leaving, we were throwing them in our bag. And I'm pretty sure I did like one or two for now and one or two for later. Every yeah. time we, like, I, I know people people may not care about this, but just you are in uh, you're you're in downtown Mobile. You're at a convention center, and there's a walkway across to the, like the fourth story of a parking deck, and it goes straight into a really nice hotel where. Uh, a lot of the TV is, and I think where a lot of the players and, and guys stay, and that's where the Reese Cup stands are set up. Uh, yeah, and it, I probably made, oh, 15 trips over the course of four days okay, over there. Well, really, it was, you know, any time that we had a lull in our, our action at, the, our, at our booth, it was like, hey, you want to walk over? Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, That you know, that sounds good. For you two, I'm about to be public enemy number one. I don't like Reese's. Oh, wow. No. Yeah. Brooks, are you sure you can't stay for the next half hour? i got to boot somebody off the show. I really <laughs> I need someone with me. I had to do a heel turn there, <laughs> but no. I, I'm not a fan of the Reese's nor the Skittles. Those are my two... N- All two right, TP's not- mic cutting off here. <laughs> all right, thank you as always. <laughs> uh, but uh, but all right, well then you're not missing out then down there, and that that's okay. Right now I'm having withdrawals because I still remember remember a couple of years ago when I was just yes, going well. all in on it. So the Senior Bowl is a good time. Uh, hopefully get back down there one day and uh, and uh, cover some of these great Auburn guys as they hopefully get on the next level. But uh, certainly appreciate those other Auburn guys for being down there. And uh, talking to Ferg about all that. Brooks Childress, thank you for being on the show today. I know you're headed out to Beauregard, and of course, that'll be only around 5 o'clock. So appreciate you for being here, man. Absolutely. See y'all later. Uh, that will do it for Brooks. Not quite for us. One half hour of the show remaining in Beauregard High School girls and boys basketball. Their regular season finale is coming up at 5 o'clock today. So we're off air right around 4 30 today. But stay tuned. A half hour of sports call is still remaining. We'll return right after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. 
We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second and final hour of Sports Call today, starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and T.P. Hammett continuing on here on this Thursday as uh, we've said goodbye to Brooks Childress for now, he'll be on the call with Tim Sin and the guys of Borgard High School basketball coming up at 5 o'clock today. So that's why we are getting off air right around 4.30 or so. So only about a half hour left in the program. For now, let's go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the show, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. I'll uh, be really, really quick, more than normally, because I know you're pressed for time. Uh, but uh, I can take my phone call. Yes, sir. I uh, just spoke with TP real quickly, and I understand I haven't had a chance to listen uh, that you already spoke about the passing away of uh, Mr. Terry Beasley. Yes, sir, to open the show. Yep. Yeah. Um, he, I think, will be known as not only probably, I'd say, the best receiver that ever played for Auburn, but probably one of the best examples of uh, being an Auburn person. Uh, and uh, I know he only had a few years playing in the NFL uh, and had a lot of injuries. Uh, but did that ever qualify him to uh, be in the NFL Hall of Fame or not? No. Uh, yeah, he, he is not in the NFL Hall of Fame. I know, uh, again, like you said, the career was cut short. A lot of concussions, unfortunately. Uh, but, yeah, not, not in the NFL Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay. Uh, real quickly, guys, about the game last night. Yeah, we won by 27 points. I tell you guys, I did not feel that enthusiastic about the win, though. Uh, some of the playing, I thought, you know, playing at home, how can, why, are we, why are you guys playing like this? I'm saying to myself, you know, out loud. You know, we've got Trey Dawson, who I thought, oh, what are we doing, Trey? You know where the middle of the court is, don't you? And three times he got called for what? Yeah, over and back. Yeah, over and back. Three times. Guys, can, please explain to me, how can a person – uh, who's not a walk-on, do that. Yeah, yeah I mean, obviously that was a, uh, again, a, we- a weird circumstance. I that I promise that'll never happen again. Uh, that was, uh, there was one that they showed a replay of in the arena that did not look like he did actually step back, but uh, it was one of those things where they pressured him right as he got to half court and he didn't maybe respect the, the pressure enough and he just, took a step back as he tried to go forward. Uh, and you see that. I know this is a very weird comparison, but bear with me. You see it sometimes in gymnastics routines when you're in the corner on the floor routine and the and the athlete will take a step back as they start going forward. Or in basketball, you see it in the corners when you're on uh, the, uh, the, the in the corner 
you've got that less room between the three-point arc and the out-of-bounds, and you, and you do a pump fake and you start to drive, but you take a step back instead of going straight forward. And I think that's really what happened to him a couple of times. Uh, you know, obviously he did not shoot well, but he did do the other things very well uh, with five assists and seven rebounds. So, uh, yeah, that, that part of it was just very odd, uh, but I, I guarantee it will not be happening anymore. Oh, I hope so. Cause, I mean, those are three unforced, you know, turnover errors on our part. And yeah. I said, wow. And, guys, did you discuss anything about uh, what to, to make of Aiden Holloway, why he continues to struggle? Uh, not specifically today, although I've been on that train for a couple weeks now. Uh, he, uh, the why, I mean, I don't know if it's a confidence issue. I, I think that he took uh, pretty reasonable shots last night. I, I mean, they were coming off screens usually, dribble pull up off a screen. Uh, one of them was very deep, which is just not a good idea if you've not been hitting them. Uh, you know, he's still taking the same kinds of shots that he took at the beginning of the year. So it's not confidence in the form of being hesitant but uh, clearly when you're down to 31 percent from the field you've got to find a way to get an easier look uh, even though he can hit those threes I'd really love for him to find a way to get something at the rim and see the ball go in that is sometimes what shooters need to do but the truth of it is that he is not performing well this has been going on for weeks now that's why Trey Donaldson is now an honest replacement in the starting lineup it was not just the the rules violation that happened to to Aiden and uh, and Denver Jones over the weekend Denver Jones returned the starting lineup last night for Katie Johnson but he actually played like Denver Jones right I was hoping would play right but uh but Aiden Hallway did not that is that is now I think officially a, a a benching of sorts although obviously Auburn will tell you that they're going to play them all a lot, and they do, and that is fair. But uh, Donaldson's got the right uh, right now because of Holloway's poor play and poor shooting to to try to lead lead the point guard position. So, guys, give me your thoughts about you know how pleased were you or how bothered are you uh, by the way they played last night? I know it was a twenty seven point margin victory, but I want to hear your your thoughts, your comments. So in the first half, I'll, I'll lead off. First half, I was I was kind of like you. It felt like they kind of slept, walked through, maybe maybe overlooking uh, Vanderbilt. And, you know, I, I can understand why Vanderbilt's been really bad this year. I mean, they haven't won, They didn't win a game in the month of January, for reference. So I, I, I expected a little bit of a hangover, especially after coming off two uh, disappointing losses. So, But they still led by 10. I mean – Auburn never trailed in the game, which I was a little surprised by. But Auburn, um, you know, in the first half, I wasn't terribly impressed. It looked like they were still a little hungover, sleepwalking. And then the second half, they really started to put it on them, and they were able to pull away against an inferior squad. So, um, you know, but you know what? You'll take any win you can get in this league because, you know, we've seen over the last two days, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky both lost on their home court. Now, they lost to much better teams than Vanderbilt, but uh, you got to take those wins when you can get them. So, overall, I was fine with it, and uh, I hope we can see that second-half performance uh, against Ole Miss and a full effort on uh, Saturday. Yeah, I would say, again, I I don't think it was effort or anything that related. Uh, I think they were focused, at least defensively. I mean, Vanderbilt uh, had nothing going for 40 minutes on offense. Auburn, uh, in fact, I believe Auburn blocked as many shots in the first half as they allowed field goals. They blocked seven shots, and Vandy made seven field goals. So the defense was 
on top of it from start to finish. I think the reality with uh, Auburn was that they did not finish well at the rim, as, and they were a little bit uh, antsy when they got to the rim. They were not able to, to finish some shots that they normally hit there because they did shoot the three a little bit better. I mean, again, it's still not a percentage that should just absolutely wow people, but uh, 10 of 26, 38%, I mean, that's, that's a solid enough number. Uh, so it was not that. I don't even think it was shooting. I think it was just some two-point play uh, early in the game, not finishing around the rim. But, again, I think the effort was there. And, again, as I said, I don't think they did anything to make me feel worse this weekend, nor even if they'd scored 95, I, I don't think I would have felt uh, that much better either. So I, I think they checked some boxes. I don't think it was perfect. And, again, I think the first half, as you guys said, were – in particular, a little rougher than the second. But, uh, again, I, I think the same problem is still there. Like, they are going to need a little bit better point guard play in terms of shooting. Uh, and they and then for last night's issue was finishing around the rim, something they usually do pretty well. Okay, fair enough. Thank you. Uh, real quick, the guys going on to uh, the uh, NIL with Tennessee. Uh, I just got this from CBS. Apparently, attorney generals from Tennessee and Virginia – or filing a federal antitrust lawsuit against the NCAA uh, about the NCI, NIL um, criteria. Have you read that or seen that? Uh, yeah, we read some of it yesterday. Uh, I, I'm still trying to figure out the exact uh, litigation part of it that's going to have to happen. Uh, again, there's uh, definitely Tennessee's going to be fighting tooth and nail, uh, and have, the stakes are going to be high because if they lose – uh, and they get hit with another penalty. I mean, they're going to look at bowl ban probably and, and something significant. So uh, they, they're obviously irritated. And look, I, I said yesterday that they have a right to uh, – everyone has a right to be with the NCAA. The NCAA is, uh, has not been very thorough on this. They've not been very leading in this. And this, as a general principle, everyone should be displeased with how the NCAA role has rolled this out over the last couple of years and how they have been policing it. My point on Tennessee is why Tennessee also should be a little bit self-aware is that they are the program that just got hit with recruiting violations from the Jeremy Pruitt tenure and then immediately start touting how they gave this freshman quarterback $8 million in NIL money. And again, we talk about all the time, the NCAA can't go to every single door and try to penalize every single team, although we know good and well just about everyone is doing something that the NCAA probably does not want them to be doing. But again, the issue is when you tout something like that, oh, look at us, uh, we're, we're giving some huge sum to these players, that's something that's going to raise a red flag with the NCAA. So Tennessee needed to be at least a little self-aware and say, hey, on the heels of major NCAA violations, we probably shouldn't be touting how much money we're paying these kids. Okay, well, we'll see how that ends up. And just real quickly, guys, I see where a gentleman, because I don't follow the NBA very much, but Minnesota Timberwolves, I think Anthony Edwards yes. got fined $40,000 for criticizing, apparently, uh, the referees uh, officiating. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't see the specific clip of him doing it, but, yes, I believe that's what it was for. Yeah, I'm seeing it right, right here from Leach Report. It says Edwards was seen in the postgame celebration calling the referees out for cheating. And then said, in quotes, I'm going to take the fine because the refs did not give us no calls tonight. Apparently he thought he should have gotten more calls uh, He said because he said he only got to the free throw line four times. 
during right. the game. He said he felt he should have gotten more calls. So he said he was fined forty thousand dollars. My question is bringing this up, guys: How come people always get fined for making any kind of criticisms about officials? You know, well, what's oh, how come they're immune from being criticized? Again, it's a uh, league integrity thing that they don't want uh, players in their league uh, questioning the the officiating and, and the validity of it because it would be again bad optics and and bad PR and and that sort of thing. So it's just about uh, trying to control, I guess, the narrative in that sense. Uh, but but also again, if you have a league full of players questioning what's going on, it's only going to make the fans question the product more. It might make people watch less. Uh, it is kind of a trickle down effect from there. Or you know, it leads the other way around. It leads to rumors, conspiracy theories. Yes. You know, we know why they didn't call those files because the Vegas line was so and so, right? Right. Yeah. So there, there's okay. a lot of a lot of harm that can come from that. And and look, some look. <laughs> obviously, the 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 point here is that sometimes the refs do get it wrong, and sometimes uh, the players are right. But you can't really treat it that way if you're league. You have to penalize anyone and everything that's criticizing it, because then it would look like an admission of guilt. Yeah. Okay. And for guys about the Super Bowl, you know, I thought I seen the uh, utter you know craziness of Super Bowl props. Well. I saw some more outrageous ones. If you want and you've got just money laying around, you can go ahead right now and bet on the following props that will be about Usher. I don't know if you've seen those props Oh, yet. boy. What brand of shoes will Usher wear during his performance? I didn't even know. Oh, I wouldn't uh, even know. You, yeah. you have caught you know? my interest because I texted, you know, I remember two days ago you, you talked to Ryan about the coin flip bet, and I texted Ryan. I said, I am a proud better of the coin flip on the Super Bowls, so I did not <laughs> know about this Usher prop. So uh, if I lose this, I'm going to send you an invoice, Steve. So <laughs> Okay. Do you know the brand of shoes he wears? I have no idea, but I, I'm going to start okay. studying. So <laughs> Well, hold on. Because you can also bet what song Usher will perform first. Mm. The yeah. number of songs in the set list. Okay, I'll leave that one alone. Let's go back to Miss uh, Taylor Swift. You can also bet how many times will she be shown on camera during the halftime show. Oh, specifically uh, during that. Very specific. Yeah. Uh, also, will Taylor Swift and Kelsey appear together in a commercial? Ooh, that's a good bet. <laughs> okay. Huh. Uh, will they be shown kissing after the game? Got to win. Got to win. Can't so. lose, yeah. Okay, this one, this one will get you, though. This one, I said, oh, my God. There's no hose barred here. Are they crossing the, the lines of uh, you know decency? But will the couple announce their first pregnancy at the Super oh Bowl? Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. my. Oh. No, and they're... Uh, well, I can't, I can't say what I don't know, but <laughs> but yeah, that we don't need that. I, we're going to be doing a Super Bowl prop bet list uh, next week for the big Ooh. game, and uh, we we'll have we'll have some legitimate uh, football ones, and we'll have a couple wacky ones too. Okay, well, you know the Gatorade thing is is one of the prop bets, right? Oh yeah, always. What color is it? Yeah. What color? Well, right now, according to BetMGM, the color purple is currently favored. Mm-hmm. Isn't there some science on ones less sticky than some others or something like that? It may be. Yeah. But I thought they'd why, – why purple, guys? Oh, I don't know. That's why I'm questioning. I think them. it was purple last year. That may be the reason Just why. Just Got to go with the reigning champ. So. <laughs> well, Kansas City is – their colors are red and what? Yeah, yellow. Got yeah. some yellow in there. Or white, yeah. yeah. And 49ers are red. Yeah. 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 So, well, I mean – I didn't know where, where purple came in. I, I don't know. Again, I, I do not know. 
Okay, guys, I'm out of here. Thank you very much for your time, and uh, we'll uh, try and do this again tomorrow, hopefully. Same time, same bat channel, or same sports call channel. Where you go, guys? Warrior C, appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to what will be our final timeout of the show as Borgard High School basketball coming up near 5 o'clock today. So we're getting off air right after 4.30. So stay tuned. We'll start to wrap things up on this Thursday afternoon right after this. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, TP Hammock with you here. Final few minutes of the show today. As again, a shortened show at Borgard High School. Basketball girls and boys wrapping up the regular season today. That's coming on air just shy of 5 o'clock. So that's why we're getting off air here in just a few minutes. We'll have a full show tomorrow in which we will preview uh, Auburn basketball as they get set for a very tough slate of games in the month of February. So we'll go into great detail about that. We'll also give our thoughts on the final head coach hire tomorrow, though it was made today uh, with Washington making a hire. And, of course, whatever comes up, uh, whatever, whatever else comes up in the sports world. Uh, I Again, I don't want to get into it right now, but uh, there was very funny details that TPU greeted me to this morning uh, from the Alabama baseball stuff that happened uh, last year with Brad Bohannon. Oh and those penalties gosh. were levied today. And there was uh, some excerpts of that that, again, I, I with only three to four minutes before the TV <laughs> guide, I don't want to get into, but I will say that tomorrow will need to be talked about because uh, pretty wild stuff. Yeah, it's just like, if you thought it was idiotic at the start, just wait until you read what the NC what was found through the NCAA and some of the quotes from the better. It is just, it's like from a cartoon movie. Like it's that just like ridiculous. So, um, yeah, he got hit with a hearty fifteen year show cause. That's that's a that's a long time. So, yep. like, I mean, that'll be twenty thirty nine, Ryan. That's yep. real. That's. What will be going on in 2039? I don't have a crystal ball. I can't tell you. No? Well, but no, yeah. I mean, it's just just really interesting situation there. But uh, Alabama was able to clean that up and uh, get that out of the way and was able to finish up with a pretty successful season last year and uh, with their interim coach. And now they got – I know they hired the Maryland coach, so we'll see how they build off of that. All right. But a couple minutes left in the show. 
Uh, Auburn Vanderbilt last night. Got to talk a little bit about it with Steve. Did not have a uh, full segment on it today. Uh, we gave some of our observations there. Uh, I thought that Denver Jones, that was exactly what I was looking for uh, and mentioned him as someone in the in the lead-up to just give you a double-figure game to show it's in there in SEC play because I think his season high to that point been 13, but he not have any double-digit games in SEC play. Of course, he had uh, a really good start to the game, hitting three straight threes and, and finished with 19 points. You saw Jalen Williams get back on track. He really loves playing Vanderbilt. He finishes the season <laughs> a combined 14 of 16 from That's the field it? against Vandy. Uh, he had 21 last night. And then Janai Broom, he did not have a block in the second half, but he had five first-half blocks. So he had 16 points, 11 rebounds, and five blocks. And I know there was some – uh, a couple weird Trey Donaldson turnovers. I understand that. The the 13 turnover number is starting to get towards that too high range, uh, but Auburn average is about 10 or 11, so, again, it wasn't too far off. Again, I just thought, TP, that they did not finish well around the rim, uh, which is rare for them. Uh, again, the three ball was certainly an acceptable percentage. They shot a fair amount of them, but they made 10. So it was not really the perimeter shooting, but when you go – uh, I think they finished 18 of 37 from two, so just under 50% from two. You know, that's a little below standard than certainly the first half in particular for Auburn. I mean, they shot the three better than the two statistically. So I, I just thought it was some of that around the rim, maybe rushing their l- attempts a little bit, a little antsy, maybe a little anxious to put something good on the board after the state game. But uh, hopefully they got out that out of their system a little bit in the second half. Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. I think it was just those like jitters. You know, they they played offensively, you know, bad against Mississippi State, which is the style that Mississippi State plays. They'll just get you into a rock fight, and you'll just have to fight your way out of a hole. So, um, you know, it did feel a little antsy, a little nervous, and that you know that's less than ideal. You know, especially around the rim where you know you got Janai, Bro- you got some big guys on this team that can really finish well. Janai Broom, Jalen Williams, Dylan Cardwell, uh, you know, Chad Baker Mazzaro can you know usually shoot pretty well around the rim and uh, to shoot that. You know, not it's not terrible, but it's below average. You know, it's less than ideal against, like I said, a team that hasn't won since December 30th against Dartmouth. So, I mean, it's uh, it's not concerning. It's just like, oh, you know, we still got stuff to work on, and we need to – and let, you know what, let's get it fixed before we go and uh, play in Oxford against Ole Miss because uh, they're going to be ready. And if you remember, Ryan – they got some big dudes on that Ole Miss squad, especially the seven foot five center. I know you know his name. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but uh, the Ole Miss center he transferred oh, from yeah, Western Kentucky. Sharp, yeah. yeah, so um, it's not going to get any easier around the rim, that's for sure. And uh, but I look forward to seeing how Auburn's going to improve off of a, a a good win, a twenty seven point victory over you know last place Vanderbilt. So um, so Ryan, what, what what are your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, again, I. I, I Gave some right there on the individuals, uh, right. and again they even in the first half where they did not play the offensive basketball they wanted to, they were still up ten. They were favored by about nineteen and a half, eighteen and I think it closed at eighteen and a half, but it was nineteen and a half at one point. Um, so even then they were on pace scoreboard wise to cover. I know that's not everything in the world. The optics are important, but uh, second half wise, I think scoring 44 they allowed 27 to vandy both halves so they were very consistent with their effort defensively there was no lag there was no again earlier in conference play when they were beating the crap out of teams they would go through five to six minutes where they they took a nap on both sides of the ball that did not happen 
Uh, so, again, it was just some mis-executed stuff in the first half uh, and a few too many turnovers in the second half. They clean it up. You score 44 points. You do that twice. That's an 88-point game. That's awesome. That's going to win you most. So, again, I, 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 I don't want any panic coming out of last night. Last night's not the, not the game to be worried about. It. Auburn's going to be still good all year at home. But, uh, again, yeah, does it does it make you feel better or worse about this weekend? No, because, again, I, Vandy's just too bad. Like, Vandy's awful. I said on the show yesterday, I'll say it again, Vandy wouldn't win any league in this, con- in this country. Wouldn't win a single one. Wouldn't win the Patriot League. Wouldn't win the MAC. Wouldn't win um, – I don't know who the else. NAC. The NAC. The Northeastern Conference, yeah. Wouldn't win the Summit. I mean, they just—they wouldn't win any league. In, they are—they are, in this they are just so, so bad. Uh, yeah, they are. Uh, and I, I and believe, <laughs> remember, it could have been worse because Tyron Lawrence was flirting with transfer portal, and he's one of their two or three best players. So uh, they just don't have a lot of ability on that team. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse's days might be numbered there. I think everyone likes his charisma, likes uh, him as a, a guy, as a former player that can teach. But uh, unfortunately, when you're that bad. And you're not showing any signs of improvement. He he might get the axis here. We'll see. Uh, so they're they're just in an awful place. So they're a bad team, and that's why the only way I was going to discern anything of significance last night is if Auburn looked truly bad and barely won, and then I would have been more concerned for this weekend. But home games and road games are just completely different animals in this sport. That's just the nature of it. We'll get into tomorrow the weird things that are happening even on people's home courts in the SEC with Kentucky and Tennessee. But uh, nevertheless, again, Auburn still, scoreboard-wise, absolutely did what they needed to do. I like that the second half was better than the first half offensively. And, again, it's about how that translates on the road and and playing well in hostile environments and and shooting the ball well on the road and and that sort of thing. Final couple minutes of the show today. Time for Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. All right, tonight you've got the start of the NFL Pro Bowl games. On ESPN at 6 o'clock, your face dropped. Woohoo. Not excited? (laughs) I will tell you this. I could be in a minority. Yes, it is better. It is better. It, that's what I was going to say. Is like I'm not saying everyone watch this the best thing you ever seen. It is better than playing half tackle football. I mean, it just whenever is. you watch Mac Jones run like a 60 yard touchdown run, something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, again, Pro Bowl as a game, it was not a good. At least this is an attempt. Whether it's good or bad, it's up to you. But at least I think it to be a little bit more enjoyable. That's 6 o'clock on ESPN. You got some American Conference College basketball, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. It's Tulane and SMU. You also got uh, some smaller conference basketball with High Point and Longwood, 6 o'clock on ESPN. I believe that's the Big South. Yep, that's Big South, baby. Uh, And then you've got the NBA tonight, 6.30. The Boston Celtics play the Los Angeles Lakers G League team with no LeBron and Anthony Davis. (laughs) Uh, So, again, that's TNT at 6.30. And one, uh, no movie picks tonight. You got the women's Mm. basketball game in Neville Arena tonight, 7 o'clock on the SEC Network Plus. Auburn tries to continue their winning ways at home as they take on the ultimate challenge. Yeah. The undefeated number South Carolina <laughs> Gamecocks. And that's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. And that will do it for this shortened edition of this Thursday edition of Sports Call. T.P. Hammock, thank you for being here, sir. We'll see you again on uh, maybe tomorrow. Not tomorrow. We'll see you again <laughs> next week. You do – I. 
scatterbrain right now. We'll see you again on the show very soon. Thank you, as always. Uh, again, that will do it for the show today. Also appreciate Brooks Childress for joining us a little bit earlier. Earlier, You'll hear him on the call of Borgard High School Basketball in just a few minutes. As always, we appreciate all those that tune in and call today, and we thank Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us. For Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.